0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Finding Sustainability podcast. We are now launching a new type of episode called Insights. Insights will feature clips taken from our regular longer episodes. We will pick segments from previous episodes which we find insightful, inspiring, critical, or simply worth sharing on their own. Our regular longer interviews will continue as usual, but we hope these Insight episodes will make some of the content more available. And the Insight episodes will appear in the same podcast feed along with the normal episodes, but they will be distinguished by the title, so it'll first say Insight, and then the name of the person who is featured on that Insight episode from a previous podcast. This Insight episode is taken from podcast number five with David Absen. Dave holds a professorship for sustainability economics and assessment at Lufana University in Germany. In this segment, Dave discusses economic valuation of the ecosystem services concept, governance in ecosystem service frameworks, and the challenge of operationalizing them. Well, I wanted to revisit the ecosystem services concept and get your perspective on this kind of tension which has existed in the past between, especially when you think about economists using the concept between valuation, monetary valuation and non-monetary valuation. Some can see it as a tool, an economic tool or a concept to bring monetary valuation into the ecosystem realm. How do you kind of see where the state of the field is at the moment in combining those two? Yeah. So I think the
1: first thing to point for people who, who can't, or aren't aware of this is that the economic valuation of biodiversity was largely driven by conservation biologists and not by economists. So some economists had started working on this notion of total uh, environmental value in the 1960s, but somehow it wasn't very interesting to economists. And it was only really in the 1980s where conservation biologists started to say, look, We've been making this deontological argument for conservation that we should conserve nature because it's the right thing to do for 100 years and it's still being lost. So let's make an argument based on human self-interest. So this comes back to Paul Nan Ehrlich and their book Extinction, you know, the bolt, uh, right. the rivet poppers. Um, so that kind of argument, I think, is is interesting because. What I found, actually, I, I had a class today where I got my students to put themselves on a continuum between people who thought that it was ethically justified to uh, ascribe economic value to biodiversity um, or not ethically justified to do that. and it's a, Somehow it's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong way to think about our relationship to nature. And they all shuffled towards that it's ethically kind of pretty suspect. And then I said, I said, OK, now putting aside the ethics, how many of you think it's a useful concept? Um, and they all shuffled the other direction. So right. despite the fact that they ethically think that it's the wrong thing to do to ascribe economic value to aspects of biodiversity, they're all quite um, happy to do that. And I, and I kind of see, so I think what we saw in the ecosystem service concept is it started off as just a heuristic, as a as a way of thinking about our relationship to nature, which was really quite, uh, so Richard Norgard called it an eye-opening metaphor. Um Because it was a new way to think about all the value which is lost when we change a system from its natural state or more natural state to one which is optimising one thing like food production. Um, And that led, but once we started doing that, once we started thinking about that heuristic for understanding our relations and independence with nature, then of course the scientists in us started quantifying stuff. So there was this huge rash of paper about how do we categorize different ecosystem services and then how do we quantify the value of those services and how do we monetize the value of those services? And I think now there's a shift back towards this more heuristic understanding. So you're starting to see notions like uh, relational values coming into, into the ecosystem service research. So with like uh, IPBES, I think there's a there's a, some pushback towards this uh, Uh, obsession with quantification once you once you figured out you can quantify things to thinking about no we should just use this tool for us to think about how we relate to biodiversity and not use it as a management tool so I'm I'm somewhat guilty of this right I I was part of the UK National Ecosystem Service Assessment one of the few economists who were involved in that and uh, what happened there was that they lots of ecologists have been doing some research in the UK about Uh, the state of our ecosystems and they thought we're writing this report we better get some economists to do some economics on it so often the way these things happen right Right. And so they got some economists one of which I was asked to uh, kind of help with that thing and we wrote two chapters out of this 20 32 chapter I think it was a report on the states of the the UK's ecosystems and uh, those were the two chapters which were of course mentioned by the press these are the two chapters which the people in and government seem to pay attention to. You know, that they were the one of those chapters, the one which was turned into a publication for science because it's quantifying things and that's kind of good science, good objective science of of kind of right. measuring change in systems. And that so that was one thing that makes me very wary of the ecosystem service concept. I think as a as a heuristic for us thinking about our relationship to nature, it's fantastic. Once you start to uh use it as a way as a management tool it's it's problematic because there's so so much that so many assumptions built into the way we ascribe value to those different aspects of of the functioning of ecosystems that, that those values are, are kind of they have to be taken with a grain of salt frankly Right. Um, uh, yeah,
0: that was another question I wanted to ask was this governance aspect of ecosystem services, especially if you think about some of the frameworks like IPIS, or if you think about uh, the ecosystem services cascade, you know, where is the state of governance within or governance theory within ecosystem services concept, what I've seen is mostly there's a lot of focus and emphasis on identifying the types of different services and the categories of different types of ecosystem services and even the different values Mm -hmm. uh, which are coming out of that. But there's less of this feedback loop of governance into what that means in terms of actionable policies we can make or even degenerating certain governance theories around the ecosystem services concept what's your perspective on that
1: yeah so i, I agree so the the classic uh, cascade is this notion that you have a ecological structure and that leads to some ecological processes and those provide functions which can be used by humans we can uh uh We can appropriate some of those functions as services and get benefits from them. And then the logical thing is we should maximise our benefits. So there'll be some, once we know what those benefits are, there'll be some magical management, which ensures that those ecological structures are managed in a way to maximise or preserve the benefits we get from them. And it's still, I think uh, most of the research focuses on the top part of that that cascade and doesn't go back into management. I think uh, potentially what may be starting to emerge and so i'm not a governance scholar so i'm a bit wary about getting into too much detail here but one of the things which has become increasingly clear is the scale at which we manage our ecosystems tend to be particularly agricultural systems at the farm level but the the way that we kind of optimize or or manage or need to manage the ecosystem services is at landscape scale and so at least it's starting to to imply that we need to have uh, management of systems which is beyond the individual farm, that you you need to figure out ways of kind of incentivizing behavior to, to provide ecosystem services at a community or landscape scale. Um, and of course, that's difficult to do because all, all of our kind of uh, interventions into agricultural systems are based on incentivizing individual farmers to behave in certain ways. So if you look at something like the common agricultural policy, it's about okay. You apply as a farmer. There are actually mechanisms to do this at the landscape scale, but all the all the support is for the individual farmer. All the focus is on the individual farmer, and they are we haven't got networks for managing across farms or across landscapes for most of these things. So, um, yeah, I think at least my understanding also is that the the, the governance aspect is really what's missing. This back loop, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's being filled, and I'm just not aware of it. But I, I'm guessing it's probably. It's not being filled very well at the moment.
0: Yeah, one of, another or another question that I had to get your perspective on is this concept of or idea of operationalization of the concept of ecosystem services. Mm-hmm. You also hear that with the stuff or the work that I'm doing with uh, Ostrom's social ecological systems framework. How do we operationalize this framework? Mm-hmm. What does that term mean to you?
1: So um, I guess what I'm really interested in when I think about operationalization is um, how we take the underpinning assumptions of those models and kind of make them in into uh, into kind of parameterized models which actually have outputs to them so that this kind of idea one of the one of the underpinning assumptions about an ecosystem service uh, perspective with its underpinning economic logic is optimization for example so how do we how do we think about for example um, the trade-off between different services which might be provided and how do we... Uh, so one of the reasons that people are interested in economic valuation of biodiversity isn't necessarily because of, of ecosystem services, isn't because they're necessarily interested in uh, the economic value, because they want a common metric to be compare the provision of different services, right? And for that, you need to have this measure. And uh, economic value allows you to compare all those different types of services as problematic as it is as putting a cultural ecosystem service into dollar value at least it means that you can compare the loss of that service to the loss of a provisioning service or a regulating service so i'm interested in the the steps you have to take in order to make this seemingly simple cascade model something which can be uh, then used for decision making and uh, the kind of the path dependencies you built into into your model once you do that so we have this nice heuristic model which is just saying okay we can think about these different landscapes and the type of values they might provide to humans to one which actually says we should choose this landscape over this landscape uh, and what assumptions we have to make in order to make that model operational so that you can actually do it so what does an invest uh, model for calculating the value of a landscape include and what does it not include right so my my starting point for this is always there's uh, three quotes right, which I really like, all from old white men, unfortunately, but they're, they're nice quotes. So the first is this notion that the model is not the the map is not the territory from Alfred Kubitsky. Uh, so basically this idea that what, all science is the art of abstraction somehow. We take complex reality and we abstract it in a way which is useful for making sense of the world in a way which is codified so everyone can agree that this is the same model of the world and it works the same way. And the map is never the territory, so it's always an abstraction. And what really matters is what you include in your your map of the world and what you exclude. Um, and the second one from George Box is: all models are useful, all models are wrong. Some models are useful. So um, we always create models which simplify the world and therefore are wrong. Are we creating which ones which are really useful for decision making? So I would argue, for, for example an operationalization of the ecosystem service concept which doesn't include something about the distribution of the values just talks about the aggregate value of those systems is really not very useful for understanding how decision making will process and then the third model the third quote is from einstein which is um, models should be as simple as possible but no simpler right. from an economic perspective that's often the problem right <laughs> we create these we create these really neat models of the world which are internally, logically kind of coherent, but bear no relationship at all to the way the world actually works. So I'm interested to see, can we create, uh, can we operationalize these these kind of interesting and engaging concepts like ecosystem services in a way which makes them um, somehow useful?
0: If you enjoyed this Insight episode of the Finding Sustainability podcast, you can listen to full interviews with all of our guests in the podcast feed. You can also find us on Twitter at find underscore sussed underscore pod, or you can visit our website, www.essnetwork.net forward slash podcast. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, and can be streamed from our website. This podcast is part of the Environmental Social Science Network. For more information about the network and how to get involved, please visit our website. Thank you for supporting the podcast.